Welcome to the Word of Life AG podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. Today's message by Nick Scholes deals with the topic of peace. Nick is one of our trustees here at Word of Life. We're so excited to hear what he has to bring this morning. Excited, so excited to share. And, and I'm going to um, start by asking you to do something. Uh, I want you to challenge or be willing to challenge your perspective this morning. And what I mean by this is that all of us came in with something on our shoulders. Some weight, some emptiness, some lack, or something that is competing with your mind this morning. I I confess I've had uh, a difficult time of doing this this week. Everything in my life felt like it was competing with what we're going to be talking about this morning. Everything. Every, every conversation, every um, thing at home with my kids, everything felt like it was competing with my perspective on what, how I was looking at life. So I'm going to ask you to challenge yourself to take your current perspective on life and just set it right next to you in the pew. To be willing, just, just this morning, for the next 30 to 35 minutes, to say, okay, I'll listen. I'll be willing. I'll prepare my heart the best I can. I know it's going to stay there. I know my baggage is all going to still be there, but just for a second. So as I spent the last several weeks thinking about what I wanted to preach this morning, uh, I realized that there was one thing that my friends, my family, my coworkers, it seemed like everyone I came in contact with was struggling with, was facing, including myself. See, I couldn't seem to arise at rational conclusions in the face of irrational results. I was really struggling with that. And this is where it gets real for me, and it's going to get real for some of you. I've watched a mother lose a 10-year-old son tragically to an illness. I've lost close friends to the most messed up circumstances. I've watched political unrest completely divide a country. And I've watched my own family endure a very scary situation with my daughter. And in the face of all of that, I'm like, God, where is your peace? And that's what we're talking about this morning, peace. I'm like, where is it, God? Because it doesn't feel like it's anywhere in my life. Maybe some of you have it, but I didn't feel like I had any peace in my life. And you know what? It, didn't, it wasn't like I was looking for it in the ways that the world was looking for peace. Because we all try to find peace in other ways, right? But I actually truly felt like I was searching for God's peace and yet still just emptiness. But Nick, what about all the articles? What about the programs? What about meditation? What about all the different techniques that you can use to find peace? Some of us go up into the mountains to find peace. Some of us um, get alone in our quiet space to find peace. We all find different ways to find peace. Even Bible verses, right? There's Bible verses that speak specifically, directly to peace. And it's even one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
So then I'm like, well, if it's one of the fruits of the spirit, are we supposed to pray for it or does it just come? Is it just supposed to fall on us? If we're, if we're a Christ follower, if we come walk into church every morning, are we just supposed to have peace? Is it just supposed to be there? But I kept struggling with it. And maybe this is the first time that you've walked into church in years. Maybe this is the first time you've ever been to church. And you're like, where is God in all of those situations you mentioned, Nick? Because I don't see him anywhere. Why does it seem like he is so silent? Let me tell you, I've been a Christ follower my entire life, basically. I was raised in an amazing Christian home with amazing parents. And I still struggle with that same question in the face of tragedy and loss. It's, it's something that inevitably you ask, where are you, God? You seem really silent in this space. So, armed with all the information, we should understand it, right? We should know how to attain peace because, you know, I'm, I've been a Christ follower. I should know how to find God's peace because I can think of all those other fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, let's skip peace for a second. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But... I, I can probably define what each of those look like. But when it comes to peace, I'm like, uh, I don't know if I can define that. I don't really know what peace looks like. Because in Christendom, we do a really good job at taking things in the Bible and all of a sudden just making them kind of our reality and, and saying, okay, uh, here's a statement. And I'm just going to pray that all the time because it sounds really good. But I don't really know what it means. What I'm talking about is a term, the peace that surpasses all understanding. If you're a Christ, have, who's heard that term in here? Raise, raise your hand if you heard that. Okay, a lot of us have heard it. And if you don't come to church, you're not a Christ follower, maybe you've never heard that, at least it kind of piques your interest, right? The peace that surpasses all understanding. But I was struggling with this thing that I'm like, okay, so if... The peace that surpasses all understanding, that's what I'm going to pray for. I've had that prayed over me, but I don't know what it means. So I was really struggling with the fact that should I be praying for something? Should I be wanting something that I don't even know and I don't even understand? So that's where I want to start this morning. In Philippians 4, 7, it says this, and it'll be projected. And the peace that surpasses or which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want to pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity uh, to speak this morning. And I thank you, Lord, that you, um, that this is, yes, it's me here in the, bottle, uh, the, the bodily form, Lord, but it's your words that are speaking through me. And I pray, Lord, that you would use me just as a vessel for your kingdom purposes. I pray, Lord, that you would challenge each of our own perspectives, that you would challenge us on how to truly find the peace that surpasses all understanding. We thank you, Lord, and we open our hearts to you, ready to be poured into. In the name of Jesus, amen. So, if you know, I've been thinking about this for a little while, pastor does a really good job of giving me a, a little bit of a lead time for thinking about how to, um, or what to preach on. So I've been thinking about peace, but I'm going to give you, I don't know, 30 seconds to think about it. And I want you to try to think, uh, it's going to be silent in here for a second, so don't get weirded out, but I want you to think about how you would define peace. 
What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? How would you define peace in your life? I'm gonna, uh, it's going to be quiet. Just want you to think about it for a second. If you want to write it down or text it to yourself uh, or just think about it for a second. Okay, in case it just gets way too weird with 500 people sitting totally dead silent for way too long. Um, I would guess that we defined it in two different ways. Or close. Something that was some type of off-branch of this. The first way I would say we probably defined it, defined it in some type of societal peace. Right? So the absence of war or the absence of suffering or the absence of chaos, right? This is what we call political peace, um, environmental peace. And if you grew up or experienced the late 1960s and 70s, you know exactly what I mean, right? That's peace. Peace. Uh, <laughs> my wife thought that this was corny, but I have to tell it. And she's like, you take that out. I owned a 71 VW bus when I was in um, college. So even though I didn't experience the 60s and 70s, I figure, feel like I get like adopted into that, uh, that group. Um, <laughs> the second way we define peace is inner peace, right? That inner peace, um, maybe the absence of anxiety or the absence of fear. Jeremiah talked about fear this morning the absence of chaos in your life, or maybe you use really nice terms like perfect tranquility or um, what are some of the other ones I wrote down? Uh, serene, calm, quiet, harmony. Right? We kinda, uh, one of those two camps you probably fell in when you thought of peace. But I wonder if any of you are totally okay with that definition. Because I would guess most definitions or descriptions of peace are based on the absence of something, right? The absence of suffering or the absence of anxiety or the absence of war or chaos or even sometimes people define peace as like the absence of, of noise, just quiet. But I think that that fails to really explain what peace actually is, right? Because by logical definition, if you don't have suffering or you don't have war, then you have peace, right? That's what logic, logically, that's what that means. If you define it as the opposite, get rid of that, then you have that. But I don't know if that always works. And here's what I'm going to explain as a little example. I, my family, I have uh, three kids, a 17-year-old daughter, Kayla, an 11-year-old son, Nicholas, and a 9-year-old um, daughter, Gracie, and, uh, and a beautiful wife. And um, on the outside, we look great. Uh, we are not experiencing any suffering outwardly. However... Let's say someone's talking to me. Let's say someone knows me. And it's like, Nick, yeah, you look great, but I know that your daughter is fighting like crazy for friends in a, in a new school that she is struggling with. I know that your son is terrified to go into the fifth grade because he struggles mightily academically and he has to work his tail off to succeed. I know your daughter is terrified to walk into her senior year and get sick again if you, don't, if you don't follow my wife on Facebook, my, my daughter went through a really scary illness in January, in February and March. And she's scared to let that, that that's going to happen again. And so she's scared to walk even into school. I know my wife 
hasn't slept for the last three to four weeks because of a loss of a friend. And I know I personally am struggling trying to manage my finances while still providing for my family. So I ask, do I have peace? Well, let's go the opposite. Um, if you've been a tender at Word of Life for any length of time, you know that uh, every couple years I end up breaking my leg, so I'll walk in here on crutches. I keep playing basketball and my wife keeps telling me to stop playing, but I can't do it. So um, it's just my reality. So let's say I have a broken leg. Um, I'm really, really sick. I have zero energy, but my inner thought life is really good. So then I have peace, right? I'm not suffering on the inside, but I'm suffering on the outside. So I don't know which one it is. So then my question is, can it be defined? Or is it just some mystical concept through which we hope and pray for, but we don't really know if we're ever going to get it? Because let me tell you, I would have signed up instantly if you would have told me it was the opposite of suffering. I'd have signed up for my daughter. If it's the opposite of suffering, sign me up. I'd have signed it up for my friends who are experiencing loss right now. I'd have signed it up for people in our church who are battling cancer. I'd have signed the dotted line and saying, yes, just take away the suffering, Nick. If that's what peace is, I just can't be dealing with this suffering anymore. But the problem with that is that it ends up being empty. It ends up being empty because our, we are in a state of nature that is always decaying, which means we will always have suffering. And therefore, if we're always going to have suffering, you can pull suffering away for a little while, but something else is going to take its place. It always exists. So my question then is, is there really a peace that surpasses all understanding? And I'm here to tell you there is. So let's get into it. Um, the Bible defines peace, or let me step back. Um, there are 429 times in the Bible that, the peace, that peace is used, 429 times. And um, the greatest term that is translated in the, new defin or the, new, the Old Testament for peace is shalom. Shalom is uh, translated 236 of those 429 times, and another 100 times the term irene is used in the Greek. So shalom is used in the Old Testament. The, the equivalent of that in the Greek is the term irene. And so over 75% of the times, we, we see that peace in the Old and New Testament deals with this term shalom. And here's what it means. It's going to be projected. It means completeness. It means safety. It means welfare. It means prosperity. And you see, when, when the translators of our Bible went from the Hebrew and the Aramaic or the Greek into English, sometimes it doesn't translate perfectly, right? Sometimes there is not um, a perfect word in that language to match our language. And we know that for even, um, you know, if you, if you were to ever translate something, if you know more than one language, you know that some words don't necessarily fit. And this term shalom is so much greater than any term that we actually have in our language. And here's the thing, 
when it's understood against the backdrop. So I want you to picture this. Christ has just gone to the cross. He has gone into the tomb. He comes out of the tomb. Okay, his disciples are, are, have watched him die. And now they're looking for him and he shows up and he says in Luke chapter 24, peace be to you. He says, peace be to you. His statement is the culmination. This is so important. And and the rest of this is going to be, the rest of our morning is going to be based on this. His statement is a culmination of the blood shed on the cross. His resurrection was, get this, the completion or shalom of the new covenant with his people. He literally, when he rose from the dead, was bringing the peace that we all desire. That is what he did. That's that implication of completeness with the term shalom. So, if that's what you're thinking about, you're like, okay, yeah, that's cool. Uh, And I desire peace, right? All of us desire peace. Whether you've been coming to Word of Life for forever, whether you go to a different church, whether you have never been a Christ follower, um, you probably at some point desired peace in your life. I mean, many religious traditions even greet with peace, right? Let's give this a try, and I know that we're going to slam dunk this, right? Peace be with you. Okay, there we go. Thank you so much. Appreciate that, right? We we know um, that, and, and we greet that way. Peace be Peace be to you and also with you. And the cool thing is Christ knew that we would desire peace. Why else would we ever have anxiety if the opposite didn't exist, which is peace? But we know that in Philippians, a book of the Bible, it says, be anxious about nothing. And my wife says, literally when I was reading this to her, she's like, yeah, that's easy for you to say, Nick. That's easy to read. It's easy for you to say, be anxious about nothing. But you have no idea what I'm going through right now. I just feel so empty. I want this emptiness to leave. And I don't even know if it's peace that I'm really even desiring. I just need this feeling gone. I just want my family back. I just need a financial blessing to get me out of this hole. I just need healing. I just want my friend back, my daughter, my spouse. Nick, I just need world suffering to end. I can't stand watching kids starve. That's what robs my peace. And you know what? It should be a frustration to you. It should. It should frustrate the snot out of you. And I ask you to come in this morning with, your, with a willingness to change perspective. That's all I asked. I didn't ask you to throw stuff away. I asked you to just be willing to change your perspective just a little bit. And I wanted you to be aware of it, right? Because we all come in with, with a lens, a, a, a different perspective on life. My goal was hopefully that you would remove that entrenched perspective, but I know that that's not always the situation. But see, the reality to every statement or thought you may be having in terms of your perspective 
is that it is the direct consequence to an external result or feeling. And there's only one thing I can promise. You will never have peace as long as your perspective is locked in to your immediate issue. And I know that that's really hard to say, but I gotta, I gotta read what it says in Proverbs 28, 26. It says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. So whoever is trusting only here is a fool. So you're like, okay, well, Nick, that's the only thing that I can trust. So what, how do you want me to trust? What do you want me to trust in? You might ask. And the answer isn't to run from the issue. And it's not to stop thinking about your lack of peace. The answer is to rotate your perspective. To rotate your perspective on the one who takes away the sins of the world. In 1 John 3.20, it says, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. He knows everything you're going through. He knows it all. And he's greater than what you're experiencing. He's greater than the emptiness that you're feeling. He's greater than the lack that you're dealing with. So let me give an example of this idea of perspective. <laughs> uh, my 17-year-old daughter has a cell phone, newsflash. I, I assume that that's almost all 17-year-old daughters. And um, I, uh, I fought like crazy to not let her have her cell phone. She actually made the comment when she was in eighth grade, uh, Dad, I am literally the only one in my entire school without a cell phone. Eighth grade, see if you can do it when you're raising one. <laughs> April of her eighth grade year, we took a trip down to New York City and she got it. Um, and uh, so she downloaded all these social media outlets and, uh, or apps and I, uh, I fought like crazy against them, right? And what do we all say? If you've had a teenager, you say this, uh, you don't even know how to communicate in person anymore. Yeah, you've said it, you're laughing. Um, I hate the fact that someone has 24 seven access to you. And we don't let that totally because she has to put her phone up at night, but um, uh, we, we, we do that a little bit. How is this training you for the real world? Your head's always in your phone. When are you ever going to get out and make friends? And she's complaining about friends at the time. I'm like, well, go out and make some. And, uh, and yet what I realized was within that perspective, it was pushing me away from a relationship with my daughter. It was literally putting a roadblock between me and her. And as hard as I pushed and the harder I pushed, the harder she would push away. See, I was unwilling to see the world she was living in and therefore unwilling to truly see her. The same reality exists with Christ, right? I mean, we develop our own perspective on what we think religion is or should be. We even develop our own perspective on how far we let Jesus rule in our hearts. And the result is that we never fully see him. Did you get what I said? I wasn't seeing my daughter because my perspective was this. You're not seeing fully Christ and therefore you're not having full peace because your perspective is this and not on him.
And I'm here to tell you that the amount that you let him in is directly proportional, directly correlational to the peace you're able to experience. And this isn't a peace that removes hurt or suffering. Don't get me wrong. It's not. No, it's a peace that recognizes the hurt and suffering. And in the face of it all says, I know what you're going through. I know what you're going through. Whatever you've endured, I've endured more. And I'm here with open arms to receive your hurt, your feelings, your anxieties, your worries. And to make you what? Complete. What did we say shalom was? The completion of our salvation. So Nick, if I'm willing to rotate my perspective, I'll try that. What does that look like? And I'm sorry to oversimplify it, but this is the reality of the blood that was shed on the cross. It's really, really simple. The way that you, when you rotate your perspective, the way that you gain peace is to enter into a full realization of his sacrifice and the power of his resurrection. And that is it. And I don't want overanalysis here. I don't want sugarcoating. It really is it, church. He's the answer. And you think, you see, he wants to give it. And if you're sitting there saying, that's fine, Nick, but I already have Jesus, but still no peace. Well, I'm here to tell you that it's not because of anything that you lack that you don't have peace. You have everything you need to have the peace. So, we need to experience that peace that surpasses all understanding. So let's figure out how to do that. In Isaiah 53, 4, it says this. I absolutely love this scripture. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds, we are healed. That chastisement that brought us peace. Hallelujah. Yeah, let's give the Lord a, a praise offering. Hallelujah. Now, you, you see it says Isaiah. Isaiah was written 700 years before Christ. And the he in that scripture is Christ. So this is the prophecy of Christ coming. And in the New, in the new Living Translation, the, the chastisement that brought us peace Here's what it says. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was beaten so we could be whole. He took the beating for you. He took the beating for me. And just so you know, and just so you're like, well, that was what the Old Testament said. And yeah, that prophecy was great. But it also says it in the New Testament. It says in 1 Colossians 19 and 20, for in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. I want to say this together. Ready? Making peace by the blood of his cross. Do you see what's happening here? Not only do all of these scriptures give us an understanding of where we get our peace from, but God is revealing to us how the ultimate sacrifice of his son is actually the completion, what we talked about, shalom, of the work in us. It's the completion of the war that was being waged for your soul. That's the peace. And he won it forever. He didn't just win it when times are good. 
He didn't win it just once. He won it forever. One time, one sacrifice for all sins, it says in Hebrews. The shedding of the blood of Christ was the completion. We recognize his blood shed. You're literally saying, I'm here to receive the peace. When you took that cup, you're receiving God's peace into your heart. Salvation with Christ implies we have been made complete by the blood of Christ. And just so you know, in Colossians 2, 8, 10, it says this, for in him, all the, it's not going to be projected, but in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete. Hallelujah. You already have everything you need inside of you if you're a Christ follower. And if you're not, there's opportunities to say, yes, I want that peace. Well, how do I get it? It's to receive Jesus. It's that simple. But the real question then comes, Nick, how do you maintain peace? So I know how to acquire peace, but maintaining peace is a whole nother situation because I can accept Christ into my life. I can say, yes, bring the peace. But what, I mean, that's easy to say when you're financially secure, right? It's easy to say when, your career is secure, when your family structure is intact. It's all easy to say when things are going well. But what if the doctor calls and tells you it's cancer? What if your boss says he's laying you off? What if you're going through a really spiritually dry season right now? What if you wake up one morning and your world's completely thrown upside down? What about a tough conversation that you have to have with your family member or at work? What if your marriage is on the rocks? What if you're in bondage to addiction? Then what? Then what? Because I, I accepted Jesus and I'm supposed to have peace, but I don't know how to maintain it, Nick. You see, the fact of the matter is, and this is a really important thing to realize here. Your peace is robbed from you every single day when you wake up. It's, it's the robbing Begins right then. You remember how awful yesterday was. Peace stolen. You pick up your phone in the morning. Uh, that was the wrong idea. Peace stolen. <laughs> or you wake up and you're a high schooler and your phone has been taken. And you're like, ah, oh, crud, peace stolen. <laughs> you read the unanswered email or text. Peace stolen. You consider the choices of your future. Maybe you're a high school or a college student. Maybe your future is looking for a new job after being in, um, uh, being in a job for 20 years. Peace stolen. You get in your rickety old car to work. Peace stolen. You open the, the medicine cabinet. Peace stolen. You remember your diagnosis. Peace stolen. You remember the status of your bank account. Peace stolen. You walk into a workplace you hate and your peace is stolen. And I could go on and on and you know I could and all of you have something that is robbing and, and not just one thing, several things that's robbing your peace. And they continue to rob until you close your eyes and that's even if you can close your eyes and fall asleep. So how do we maintain peace? There's three things that I wanna focus in on today. And one of them lines up perfectly with what Pastor Jeremiah said up here. The first one is to recognize your lineage. 
You know, when he said a place at the table, that's what you need to do first. You need to recognize that there is a place at the table for you. You need to recognize your link. Hallelujah. You need to recognize your lineage as a son of God. It says in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. And I want to sit, I want you to see this. This is a scripture that's kind of symbiotically the same both ways you say it. Right? Blessed are the peacemakers, they're called sons of God, but as a son of God, you're also a peacemaker. You are all peacemakers. You've been bought with a price, adopted into his kingdom. You are special to him as a son is to a father. In Hebrews 12, it says, and, you, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? We're heirs to the kingdom. We are sons to a heavenly father. We need to stop acting like we are slaves to the things that rob our peace. And I'm gonna say something really quick. I've talked a lot about the things that are kind of outside of our control that rob peace. But I cannot stand up here and it'd be, I can't stand up here and not talk about the things that are inside of our control that are still robbing our peace. Because if you run back into the trappings that this world has for you, you're not going to have peace. If you're living in habitual sin, you're not going to have peace. It's that simple. And you can't ever expect it will come because ultimately you haven't accepted the full reality of the cross of Christ. You need to get real with being obedient to your heavenly father. But the cool thing is, when you start to be obedient, when you start to give him everything, his mercy washes over you. So just because I give the, the, the negative of saying, okay, yes, my sin is robbing me of the peace, you need to recognize that his mercy is there to wash over you and cover you. The second one is you must fight for peace. Now, that's super ironic, right? So the first one is you must recognize your lineage. The second one is you must fight for peace. And you're like, uh fight for peace? <laughs> In Hebrews 12, 14, it says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness which out no one will see the Lord. Now, this is amazing. This word strive in the Greek is the term dioko. And um, I told you about how sometimes the translation doesn't fit perfectly. I'm going to tell you three different ways that this strive is said in the New Testament. The first one is in Philippians 3, 14. I press on toward the ultimate goal of Christ. Christ. So it's pressing on. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of like strive. The second one though, listen to this in Philippians 3.11, it says that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Did you, that by any means possible, when it says strive, it's implying that by any means possible, I'm getting, I'm reaching after peace. And it's the same exact word that is used in the New Testament when Paul is persecuting the church. Persecution. You're like, well, how does that match up? It literally means that you are persecuting sinful conflict in your life to recognize peace in your heart. That's what it means. It's spiritual warfare. Whatever you want to call it, it's spiritual warfare. Your peace is always being attacked. I told you it was always being stolen. But you have to remember what it says. In me, you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. But take heart. What? I've overcome the world. <laughs> Hallelujah. The last one, and I want the worship team to come up. 
is to seek his face, allowing your mind to be renewed daily. In Isaiah 26.3, it says, you keep him in perfect peace. Okay, so now you're waiting for that next one. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. It says to keep your mind stayed on Christ. That doesn't mean Sunday morning only. It doesn't mean planning throughout the week for church. It doesn't mean rehearsal practice or dropping your kid off on a Wednesday night. It doesn't even mean joining a small group. And believe me, you, if you've been a part of Word of Life for any length of time, you know I'm a cheerleader like crazy for, for small groups. It doesn't mean any of that. It means getting real in your one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ. It means identifying time every day to be still, to be quiet. Oh, these are words that we talked about with peace, right? So it means literally to do all of those things that you, that you think about with peace with God. That's what it means to have your mind stayed on Christ. It means to do whatever it takes to renew your mind, as Paul says to the Romans. You see, that renewal only happens through the word of God. In the Bible, we find truth. We find answers. We find peace. Because it's what he left behind us, for us. And think about this for a sec. It is the completion what do we say completion was? Shalom. Or the fulfillment of his ministry to us. It completed what we have left behind for us. I want the prayer team to come forward. I, uh, there's a scripture that I found that I'm going to read. Um, and... I felt like I could have preached on this entire scripture, but I continued to stay at the bottom of my notes. And, um, and I feel like it is where it needs to be at the bottom of the notes. And I'm going to read it. And um, I just want you to kind of read along with me, not out loud. I'm just going to read it nice and slow. I'm going to look up there and, and read it. And um, I believe it's God's best definition of peace for us, the whole thing. And I want you to contemplate what that looks like in your life. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against the another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all those, all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called and one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Listen, I know this isn't easy. And it's easy for me to come up here and have prepared this over the last couple of weeks and um, or this week mainly. And um, 
I know it's not easy. The only perfect peace exists in heaven. That's the reality. It's the only perfect peace. But as long as we exist on earth, it's our responsibility to walk in his promise, patiently awaiting and striving for peace, recognizing who we are in Christ. It's going to be hard. But the question is, what is the perspective you're going to take? The worship team is going to play a song, and it's a perfect, poignant song for what we're going to do. And I just want to sit into that piece as we, um, as we praise him. Thanks for joining us today. To connect with our church, head over to wordoflifeag.org connect. We'd love to have you join us for one of our services. Our service times are on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For more information on our church, head over to wordoflifeag.org. Thanks for joining us.